0: So last week, we started a message and uh, talking about the curse, curse get off me, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into that this morning, and uh, hopefully let you know that you aren't just redeemed from the curse, but you are blessed beyond the curse. All right, that should have got you shouting right there. If you're in the house and you made it through on a holiday weekend, you might as well get all you're going to get out of it, so come on. You are blessed beyond the curse. Amen. So, what we were looking at last week, and we read these scriptures that talked about if, if you don't do certain things and hearken unto the voice of the Lord, a curse would, would come upon you. And we saw the flip side of that, where he says, if you listen to my words, blessing will come upon you. And we discovered that when Christ died and rose again, he delivered us from the curse. The curse has zero effect on, the, on a believer... If we choose life, amen? So we're going to look at how do we respond today to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because the finished work of Jesus Christ does not require performance, uh, doesn't require works, uh, and it doesn't require our efforts to try to accomplish something that Jesus has already accomplished. Just say it's accomplished, Jesus, through his blood, declared that you are already delivered from the curse, you're already made righteous, you already have a sound mind, because we've been redeemed from the curse. So if he's already done it, he's already declared it, then it must be up to you and I to receive what he's already done by faith. Sometimes when we get into religious church settings, we're constantly trying to figure out how we can do something to get out from the uh, manifestation of the curse. But this thing is so simple. We practice this, like I said last week, we practice this at salvation. When did Christ die to redeem you of your sins? Yesterday? Will he die again tomorrow if you sin again tomorrow? Tomorrow? No, when he went to the cross, it was for all sins of all time, present, past, and future. So even the sins that you have yet to commit, not that you should, but if you do, you can look back to a point 2,000 years ago and he said it's already taken care of 2,000 years ago. It's not well. He has to go back to the cross and die again because you blew it. It was once and for all. All our response is yes, God, I receive your forgiveness from that sin. And therefore, I'm free. So we can get that concept when it comes to sin. But sometimes when it comes to the manifestation of the curse in our lives, we think that we have to do something else to try to get it to happen. But the Bible is actually very simple. We just receive by faith. That what he's done is done. What he did, he did. Amen? There are two prayers that God will never answer help you real quick. Number one, if you pray to God to get him to do something that he's already done. That's right. Asking him to do something that's already done. If I said to you, go ahead and be seated. No, no, no. Sit down. Th- there's no response from you. Why? You're already seated. Seating, right? Sitting, sit. I don't know. You're already sitting down. You understand where I'm going this morning? <laughs> so to ask God to do something that he already did, doesn't require a response. Why? Because it's already done. The second prayer that God won't answer is when you try to get God to do something that he already told you to do. So leave that right there. So how do we respond to the finished work of the cross? If I'm already redeemed, if I'm already made righteous, how do I respond when I see the symptoms of the curse beginning to manifest in my world? Listen to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, if you have your Bibles today. And it says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. So how are we made right? By faith in Jesus Christ. Another phrasing for the word right is righteousness. It means to be in right standing with God, just as if we've never sinned. So how are we made right with God? By faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. Do you understand how radical this was to the early church? To people who had come out of the Jewish faith and the system where it was all about the works. It was all about you had to perform every single thing perfect. And if you didn't, then you had to get the blood of an animal to cleanse it. So when they would hear this message to say, listen, it's no longer about works, but about what Christ did. This was radical to the early church. This should be radical to us. And we believe, we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So praying more, doing all these religious things more are not going to make you right with God. They're good things, don't get me wrong. But that's not where your right standing with God is found. Your right standing with God is found on the finished work that Christ died and gave us on the cross 2,000 years ago. Amen? So I want to give you three quick things today that will help us respond to what Christ already did in light of the curse. So number one, if you're taking notes today, we respond to what he's already done by number one, we make a decision to believe the love that God has for us. We make a decision to believe the love that God has for us. I know this sounds simple, but it's actually very strategic and it's very deep. It is one thing to love God. It's a whole nother thing to believe that God loves you. I love God. I know what he's done in my life. But I think sometimes if we're honest, many of us will have this this perception of God that He's waiting in anger and He's just disappointed in us. And you know, we carry all these baggages, you know, from past relationships and mistakes and what our parents did and their grandparents. And that's many times how we approach to God, where God's love is conditional towards us. So we can understand how we can love God, but sometimes we can't mentally process how God can absolutely love us. There's actually a story in Deuteronomy chapter 1 where it says that they, uh, they believe that God hated them, so they rebelled against God. Not having a right understanding that God absolutely loves you will cause us to rebel against God. Why? Because if you think that God's mad at you and that he hates you, there's no way you're going to have faith in what he says. There's no way you're going to have faith that he absolutely loves you. So we have to settle this fact, regardless of what's going on in our life, that God loves me. Just say that God loves me. We can say that even in the midst of crazy situations, you know, maybe something's going on in your world and the right scripture's not coming to your memory, but I'll tell you what, you can get through a lot if you just understand, he loves me. He loves me. I don't even know what verse to go to right now, but I know he loves me. Come on. That'll pull you through some dark times. That'll pull you you through some hard seasons. Why? Because the revelation that he loves you is always attached to the revelation that he wants to do good and bring blessing into your life. Come on, somebody. It's attached to the revelation that he already made a way and provision for you to, to rule and to reign in this life, to not be overcome by circumstance. So we respond by saying he loves me He loves me. He loves me. And when I know that God loves me, man, that makes all the difference. Number two, we make a decision to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We make a decision that he loves us, and we're not moved from that. Number two, we make a decision to believe in the finished works of Jesus Christ. The reality of a, de- of a quality decision opens the door to reality. In other words, nothing becomes real without a decision. When you make a decision about something, it opens the door to that thing becoming real. I can, you know, decide all day long, I'm going to go do the laundry, but until I make a decision, that never becomes a reality in my life. Come on, somebody. You can, you know love somebody i've been dating them for 20 years but until you make a decision i'm gonna ask that person to marry me it never will become a reality decisions always open the door to whatever's there to become reality so when we make a decision to believe the finished work of jesus christ it opens a door for us to begin to see the reality of the finished work of christ in our lives so we have to decide that we believe in the finished work of the cross. And If you don't believe in the finished work of the cross, you will always be trying to do something to finish it, to be better, to get better, to get God to love you, to get God to do something for you. Amen? Christ already died. He already paid the, sin, the price for sins of the whole world. Really, this covenant that God made is foolproof. Even a fool can't mess this thing up. Well, if he died and paid for the sins of the whole world, is the whole world forgiven? Well, as far as the world is concerned, their sins are already paid for. They just haven't signed to receive the package. Come on, somebody. Their sins are paid. Like, their debt is also paid. All they got to do is sign on the line and say, yes, I believe that what Christ did paid for it. And then it's mine, right? Come on. I think that's one of the saddest things about people who reject God and, and spend eternity in hell. It's not that hell is such a bad place because obviously we know that it is, but I think it's a reality that when you get there, you discover that you didn't have to be there. Is that all along there was a clear, simple, easy way. Just sign on the dotted line. Just receive it. Just accept it. The price was paid. The inheritance was left to you. God already did it. All you have to do is enforce what he did. Come on, a million dollar check doesn't do you any good. Sitting in your wallet. One time somebody came into... Our church, and we were believing the Lord for something several years ago, and uh, we uh, said, "God, well, we need you to make a way for us to do this." And somebody had walked into our church that I barely knew and wrote a check out. I don't even think I knew them at all, but wrote a check out to our church that was a very, very large amount. And afterwards, that you know, we practice here that we don't we don't look at what I, I personally don't look at what people give because I just feel like that can affect how we minister to people, but our, our people who count the offerings on our accountant came and said, Pastor, can I see you for a minute? And she said, I just wanted to show you this. I'm not sure what we should do. And I said, well, before we spend it, let's make sure that puppy cash, that clears first. Because when somebody random comes in and writes a large check, you want to make sure, come on somebody. But I say that to say, and obviously that the miraculous working power of God, he, he provided what we needed, made a way where there was no way. But the reality is we could have made a decision that said, you know what? It just seems too good to be true. It just seems like that that isn't possible. Let's just do nothing with it. But a decision opens the door to a new reality. A decision that says, cash it. We're going to receive it. Come on, somebody. So it's a done deal. The finished work is over. And number three, we have to make a decision to believe our redemption is finished. Our redemption is finished. Ephesians 1 verse 1 through 3 lets us know that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It says we are blessed. It doesn't say we are going to be blessed. It says we are blessed blessed. Second Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Let me just say that everything we need. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on God to do to cause you to respond different? What are you waiting on for God to do before you change your attitude concerning your spouse? What are you waiting on God to do before you change your attitude about finances? Because he says, I've already given you everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He's already done it. Shout, it's already done. It's already done. So what we have to do is we have to start changing our thinking and trying to stop getting God to do something and just start receiving because it's already done. We take it by faith. That's why your Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And I'm not talking about start beating everybody up, trying to get what you want in line. Come on, somebody. But there should be this aggressiveness when it comes to a believer. Because the curse that entered the world with Adam that we talked about last week is working overtime to produce in your world. And if we just idly sit by and say, well, it will be what it will be, I'll just accept it. It is what it is. We've said this. Come on. You know, it just, that's life. No, that's life under the curse. I'm not under the curse anymore. I'm a blood-bought, redeemed child of, the, of God. He's purchased me with a price. He, he blessed me. He did away with a curse. Therefore, I have choice on what I can receive. So therefore, I make a decision to receive nothing less than the full promises of God manifested in my life. So now, when anxiety rushes into my mind, or worry rushes into my mind, I can just say, well, that's my what, the way I'm wired, or I can say "That's you know, based off the experiences that I've had in my past would lead me to be a worried person, or I can say, no, that would be a part of the curse, therefore I reject worry, I reject anxiety, and I, I receive the peace of God, I receive the promise of God, I receive the blessing of God. He said, my peace, I will leave with you no worry, no fear, no anxiety, I will give you my peace see choose life or death come on somebody so it's already done we just have to get aggressive and start taking by faith what he's called us to have John 19 Jesus drinks the vinegar and he cries aloud it is finished what was finished that which he was sent to do your healing your deliverance Your righteousness, your redemption, the end of the curse for those who would choose to believe, it was all a finished deal. So God's not in the process of redeeming you. You are already redeemed. Now, you just got to let your mind, your spirit, your will, your emotions know that sometimes. Sometimes sometimes we still think like an unredeemed person. We still act like an unredeemed person. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are already redeemed. So I love that Christmas song, Joy to the World. There's that one line that says, he came to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And whenever we sing that, I just get that imagery in my mind of that dry, desolate, barren wasteland and the blessing of God just flowing and producing life anywhere the curse is found in the life of the believer. You might be prospering in one area of your life, but here's what I want you to know today. You can prosper in every area of your life. As far as the curse is found, his blessings will flow. You are not being redeemed. You are already redeemed. You are the righteousness of God. You in this very moment are in right standing with him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you don't know what I did last night. No, I don't. But if you come to him, confess, you are already in right standing with God. Come on, somebody. So redemption, our deliverance. There was a ransom. There was a payment that Jesus made for our redemption so that we could be free. The enemy will attack. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But when you understand this, you realize, though it might rain, remember, it says it will rain on the unjust and the just, but our foundation is different, so our house will not fall like sinking sand. So it'll rain, but it won't win. And, and this is just me that I feel like I could just explode inside just hearing this today? Maybe I just needed to... Thanks for letting me just come in and watch me preach to myself, but (laughs) stuff will happen, but it won't work. Stuff will happen in your world, but it won't work. Rod Parsley used to say the trap got sprung, but you didn't get hung, (laughs) right? Because it just didn't work. It's like when they took Jesus out to the bow of the hill and the Bible says that they were going to cast him off. It says that suddenly he passed through the midst of them. It's like how could Jesus one man with a whole crowd around him all their eyes focused on him to kill him and it says he just passed through the midst of them why because it wasn't his assignment to die being thrown off a cliff so God put on him a passing through anointing that even when the enemy had surrounded him and even when death and destruction would be his ultimate end there was a passing through anointing that came on him that caused him to pass through the midst of the adversary come on somebody I'm believing for you that you get a passing through anointing that when the enemy comes rushing in, he's going to look at like, where did they go? I set up the trap. I set up the bait. They should have fallen. They should be destroyed. They should be dismissed. But here they are standing because they understand the work that God did. Come Come on. Troubles are going to come. I mean, your Bible says the godly shall suffer Persecution but it will never win because we are redeemed. We've been delivered out of stuff that we haven't even encountered yet. So think of it this way. When I go through trouble, I'm going in redeemed. See, in my mind, sometimes when I'm in trouble, it's like, God, do something now. To strengthen me to get out, but I got to change my mindset because I didn't just get redeemed in the middle of the problem. I was redeemed when I went in. Don't look at me, Paula. <laughs> I was redeemed when I went in. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I was redeemed when I went in. No adversary in hell can stop the redeemed. What if we started looking at trouble with that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset? I'm not going to be. I already am. I'm not dismissing the problem. I'm not pretending that it doesn't exist. I'm not living in la-la land where I just think, you know, well, you know, none of this is real and it's not going to happen. And I just turned a blind eye to it. I read the report of men. I, I read what the bank account says. I read what the health report says. I read, you know, the state of my relationships. I read all of that. And I understand it. But what I do know is because I'm a bloodbought child of the Most High God, the adversary will not win in my life. I may be disappointed on every hand. I may have failure after failure after failure. but I. Know no, I'm still a redeemed child of God, and if I just get up, keep my hand to the plow and keep moving forward. every unanswered question will get answered, and I will see the provision of God in my life. There's a story in your Bible where, in the Old Testament with Joshua, he, he, he told the Israelites to get up and go fight, and they got up and they went into battle. And when they got there, they began to lose. So they retreated and Joshua begins to pray like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Understand that when they begin to lose men, some of their men died. Good men died. They begin to lose and Joshua said, Lord, what happened? What do we do? And God told Joshua, get up and go again. Get up and go again. Again. Why? Because even in loss, there's no permission granted to change the mandate. Permission wasn't granted to change the mandate. There were losses. There were things I don't understand. Get up and go again. man who founded Teen Challenge told a story one time. He felt strongly in his heart that he was to open a campus in a certain city and it just seemed like everything was stopping it and blocking it, and he fought for years. And finally, they opened this Team Challenge, which is a drug rehabilitation program. They opened it in, a, in this specific city, and he went on to say that a short while after opening it, everything fell apart and finances dried up, and lo and behold, they had to close it. And he began to question God, like, it was so strong in my heart, and he said he never understood that failure. Many successful branches, but he knows God called him to open that, but yet it failed. He says it was years later, he was walking down a street and some young man ran up to him and and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, you saved my life. I was your first intake at that center. And though it didn't last forever, it changed my life. And suddenly he realized maybe it was for the one and here in his mind, he thought, I have this massive failure, this stain on my record. But really, God said, listen, it's not about your record. It's about you getting up and going again and doing what I've called you to do. And you were trusting me with the results. And even when it seems on the surface like it didn't work out, we have to learn to trust God with the results. Yes. Because in failure, there's never permission to change the mandate. Yes. Amen. If there was, I would have stopped preaching this gospel years ago. Come on, failures, disappointments, mistakes, bad choices. But if there's one thing you need to know about me, I am a stubborn person. <laughs> and I use it to my benefit. And maybe every other day I want to quit and, you know, go get a regular normal job and just say, you yeah, somebody else take the ministry. But there's that part of me that's just, I don't know. 20 years now, just keep preaching, just keep going, trusting God with the results. Just keep preaching, just keep going, just keep trusting God with the results. Just keep preaching, get up, go again. Another weekend, another Sunday, keep preaching, trusting God with the results. What in your life have you allowed disappointment to say? Never touching that again. Get up, go again. Get up, go again. So we are already redeemed. Listen to this in First Peter chapter one. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. I love that. This is a New Living Translation. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. That's what I'm talking about. You can get through life without God. You can get through life with God as a believer and not partake in any of this teaching. But that's not what he died to give you. you. He says, God paid a ransom to save you. From what? An empty life. An unfruitful, unbearing life that we inherited from our ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value but it was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. Man, how powerful is that? With the precious blood of Christ, he paid a ransom that I wouldn't have to live an empty, fruitless life. So how could I accept anything less than what he died to give me? Let that sink in for a minute. Told you last week I am a prosperity preacher. I don't think that always means necessarily that we are to be rolling in the wealth of the world. I think it means that we are to have at hand whatever it is that God's calling us to do. And if I don't have it, then I'll believe for it. Come on, somebody. Come on. But sometimes in our lives, we just. Except this is life. No. He died that I would have a fruitful life. Fruitful life. So no matter how many disappointments we have, we never settle. I don't care how many times you have to eat Hamburger Helper without the hamburger... Anybody else been there? You never submit to the spirit of poverty. You never submit to it. Can I tell you, that's the key. I, and I don't, I, I, some of my family's in the room. My mom had five kids, and all five of the kids, except for me, because I was the youngest and only boy in her favorite. Ask any of them, they are vouch for you, vouch for me. Uh, they all went buck wild at some point in their teen years. I just waited till my twenties and then, <laughs> but anyway, but one thing I'll say about my mother is I've watched other people go through challenges with their children and sometimes the further down the line you get, there's like, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I'll say about my mother is down to me, she never moved the bar. Didn't matter how many of us freaked out, whacked out. She never moved the bar. She never got to a place that says, well, that's just teens. They are, they're going to do what they're going to do. They are who they are. No. She fought just as much for the fifth as she did for the first. The strategy of the enemy is to get you weak and worn down so that by the time the sixth one comes, the sixth attack, The sixth disappointment, you just say, well, I just can't. Either God's going to do it or he's not. No, 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 no. You never submit. To anything less than the precious blood of Jesus Christ died to produce in your life. I may have to eat that hamburger hamburger helper for five years, but what I will never do is say this is God's will for my life. No, God wants good for me. He wants to bless me. I will never submit to that sickness and disease. I've had family members who trusted God and died. I don't know why. Just like I said with Joshua, some good men died in battle. I don't know why, but what I will never do is I will never lower the bar to say, well, then healing must never be God's will. I don't know the answer to the unanswered questions, but what I do know is he still went to the cross. He still died that I could receive healing and wholeness even in my physical body. So therefore, I press in and I fight and I fight and I keep pushing up the bar. And when disappointment tries to teach me to give up and quit and back down and quit preaching that gospel and quit telling people that God wants to heal them, you just keep pressing the bar higher you never submit you never submit because what is done is done come on somebody galatians 3:13 says but christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing for it is written in scriptures cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, what is this curse of the law? It's what should produce in your life whenever we don't keep one of those 613 laws. That includes the Ten Commandments. Your Bible says if you didn't keep all 613 of them, you would be cursed. Remember, last week we read in Deuteronomy 28 if you do not do these things, cursed cursed, cursed. If you do, I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. But God looked at that covenant and said, come on. And geez, man just keeps messing this thing up. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help them out. I'm going to circumvent them being a part of the covenant process at all. And I'll make a covenant with my own son for their benefit that they can't mess it up because he made it right. The revelation that that brings is, listen, and what we read in Deuteronomy, all those curses, they will never happen to you because you couldn't keep the law. They will never happen to you because you couldn't keep the law. Why? Because they happened to Jesus on the cross. And if he, God applies that to your life, then he has to look at Jesus on the cross and say it wasn't enough. Come on, that's good news, somebody. The curses will never come on you because you could not keep the law. So don't tell me that I'm living under a curse. Don't talk to me about generational curses. I understand there are generational curses, but I also understand when I became a redeemed, blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I am now a part of his genetic family. I can still make choices to operate in my old life, to operate under a curse, but the reality is the curse is already broken over me because I'm adopted as an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It is now his DNA running through me. Come on. So you're not cursed because of your parents. Your children are not cursed. They are blessed. Why? Because the curse stops with you. Now, I want to close with bringing this to our attention today because I try to be a very practical preacher and make sure we all understand where the rubber meets the road. So we are redeemed from the curse. Okay, got that? He died, it's over for us. The curse will work overtime to try to sneak in and produce and grow in our life we have the ability to choose life or to choose the curse. So we stand in faith that even when the curse starts to manifest, nope, I do not receive that. I reject that because Christ died on the cross to pay for that. I won't lower the standard. I won't bow to it. I won't give up. I won't quit. I will keep pressing in for the high mark in Christ Jesus. But can I tell you, sometimes we work overtime to work against the blessing producing in our life. Sometimes we—I'm going to say it again—so we, we can just we work overtime to work against the blessing, not the enemy. Sometimes I think we put so much on the devil, and he didn't make you do anything. He's not even the cause of the situation. Like you know, well, you know, I'm being attacked right now, pastor, and you know, all my friends are gossiping, talking bad about me, and nobody's you know taking my calls anymore. It's the devil really trying to wreak havoc in my life. No. It's you were a mean and ugly person to everybody, and when they finally moved on beyond you, now you're trying to blame it on the devil instead of holding up a mirror and saying, yeah, could it be me? (laughs) Come on, you left five jobs in the last five years, and it's always my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss. All right, well, learn to submit a little bit. They don't got to be right, but he says all authority has been appointed by God. So even submitting when you know they're wrong produces character in your life. So quit blaming it on unsaved bosses and they're the reason and learn how to mature a little bit and submit under to somebody you disagree with. Learn how to be right but live in the wrong. (laughs) Why? It's producing maturity in your world. So we got to be careful that we're not assigning the manifestation of the curse in our world to the enemy when it's really us opening the door and saying, come on in. Had a situation this past week, and, you know, I've preached to you a lot about health because I just believe it's so practical and something that mostly we all think about. And, uh, you know, I don't say it from a place, obviously. I'm gonna suck in, obviously, <laughs> as uh, winning in that realm. But I had a situation this past week where I was in the emergency room and everything's okay. But I was... Uh, opening some pool chemicals that I had left out in the sun. So they liquefied and like all of the stuff came up and I breathed it in and it was this really random thing. Anyway, so I just had to go in and get a little breathing treatment and everything was fine. And But as I'm there, my blood pressure is like through the roof. And it's not the first time. I've kind of been borderline. And as I'm, you know, fine, but you know, they have you in, the, in there and they're waiting for every other doctor. And you, you know, what should be like five minutes of FaceTime turns into like five hours because... It is what it is. But anyway, you know, I'm praying and I'm cursing. You know, this blood pressure is coming down in Jesus' name. Coming down in Jesus' name. Coming down in Jesus' name. And I just really got convicted because I felt like the Holy Spirit said, No, it's not. Why curse that in Jesus' name? Get thee behind me, Satan. But remember what I opened the sermon with? Two points. God won't answer a prayer that he's already tasked you to do. And a decision opens the door to reality. So, I was single till I was 30, so fast food became my lifestyle. And though my wife makes wonderful meals, I sneak in some fast food more than I should. You know, she tries to pack me healthy lunches and sometimes they end up on the in my belly. Pick up what I'm laying down. <laughs> she knows. She, she sees the bank statement. and I, There's nothing you can hide. But anyway, the point of what I'm trying to say is I can claim blood pressure is coming down to I'm blue in the face. But at my last doctor's visit, he said, Jim, you need to lose 20. And for every pound, your blood pressure will come down a point. So, my point is, I could stand and scream to him blue in the face, blood pressure in Jesus' name, you're coming down, and turn around and not make a decision to change any habits in my life, and then say, Well, why isn't healing manifesting in my world? It's not working. No, you're not making a decision. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yes. The finished work of God is finished. I have to make a decision to partake in the finished work of God and make sure that I'm not working overtime to undo the blessing of God in my life. I can't claim divine health and all the promises of God. Now listen, he will get you out of a sticky situation when you get yourself in a sticky situation. Come on. He's done it for me more than one time. He'll make a way out. But when you do not make a decision to change what got you into it, you are destined to keep repeating The same pattern. The same goes for your money. Listen, I'm going to submit this to you, and some people might freak out about this. If the curse is done, the curse is done. I don't believe, we believe in in biblical tithing, that 10% of our income belongs to God and, and goes to the house of God. But I don't believe that you are under a curse if you choose not to tithe. Why? Because the curse was done away with. But what you are doing is you are forfeiting the blessing from coming in. Now, take that a step further. I'll spend what I want to spend. I'll do what I want to do. I'll make bad financial decisions. I won't save. I won't seek financial counseling. But I'll stand up and I'll claim that God's going to prosper and bring increase into my life. No. You're going to be as broke tomorrow as you were today. Why? Because you didn't make a decision to bring it into reality. Oh, I hope you're getting this today. So my decision to bring it into my reality might mean I have to personally make some adjustments to see the fulfillment of the promise of God in my life. I might have to start being a good steward of what he's provided me. And then I can stand back and say, wow, the blessing of God's on me. Do you have a need? Let me help you. You have a situation? Let me help you. Let me give unto you. So be careful that we're not working overtime to Undo the blessing of God in our lives and blaming it on the adversary. Like I said, well, you know, I've been believing God for better friends. And I've been believing God, you know, that I have a a bigger circle around me. But not when you're sad, miserable, depressed and angry and, you know, just negative all the time. Nobody wants to be around that mess. And you can't blame it on God and you can't blame it on the church people and nobody just understands you. It is you. So we got to get the rubber to meet the road when it comes to this stuff. Because that's where the charismatic church sometimes has fallen into this trap is we just devil, 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 devil. Well, no, I got to change my thinking, to change my mentality, to change how I'm looking at life, to change what it is that I'm doing. Team, you can come. And now, I'm not actively resisting the blessing of God. I'm standing in the righteousness that God died to give me. And I'm actively partnering with producing in my life what God died to let me have, a full, prosperous life. One of the things that I've said this to our church before is I believe we are called to answer our own prayers. And I know on the surface that might be like, no, you pray and then God does it. We ask God, we submit it to God, And we rely on him to do what we can't do. But we work like heaven and hell to do what we can. So, bring it back to me. If I'm eating better, if I'm working out, I'm making the decision to do what it is that I can do. Then I have the right to turn to God and say, Now, Lord, you said that if I'm obedient to you, that you would bring health into my life. So now I'm doing everything that you've put in front of me. I, I'm being faithful. I'm being diligent. And I might have a mistake with the Dairy Queen ice cream cone because it's summer and I'm only human. But I'm going to be diligent and faithful as much as I possibly can. And I'm going to rely on you to do what only you can do. So sometimes we're called to answer our own prayers. Well, God, grow the business. Grow the business. God, would you grow it? Would you grow it? What are you doing about it? God, I remember as a kid the church we were part of, they would send us out door to door to pass out these tracks. And man, I grew up in Columbia and every house in Columbia got a track from me at one point or another. And it, you know, and I would often get like a scourge because the next Sunday came around and I spent all summer putting tracks in people's doors and there was nobody new at church. But I'd never forget the pastor saying to me, It's a seed. And God can only work with a seed. He can only work with a seed. So I do what it is that I can do. I give God seed. I I am faithful. I, I, I am a good steward of what he's provided me. And then when I've done all that I can do, I just submit to him. Now, God, you have to do what only you can do. And that's bring the increase. Let's stand to our feet. My prayer for you today is that as we leave this place and the kick off of our summer season, I'm just declaring let's believe for a new you this summer. Let's believe for a fresh, full life this summer. Not one of disappointment, not one of brokenness or worry, but let's believe God for a fresh, full life. And that starts with us today saying, Father, what is it that I need to do to come into alignment with you? Let's bow our heads. I want to pray. Father, I ask this now in Jesus' name that you would just begin to speak to us. That you would show us where we have gone wrong, where we have gone astray. Where we have not been good stewards or we've not been faithful To do our part. Or we've allowed disappointment. Or we've allowed circumstances. To cause us to back down. Or to slow down. Or to lower the bar. But that Father today. We would again raise the bar. Disappointment will not be our our navigation. Loss will not be our navigation. But the finished work of Jesus Christ. Will be the only map that we follow. Would you speak to us now in these moments if there are circumstances and situations where we've maybe gone to the left or to the right and we need to get back in alignment with you. God, you lifted me out. God, you lifted me out. And I tell the whole world, God, you lifting me out. God, you lifting me out. And I tell the whole world. Come on, declare it, church. Because God, you lifting me out. God, you lifting me out. And I tell the whole world, that God, you lifted me out, God, you lifted me out, and I tell the whole world.